I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast part of the 90 Min Football Network. I've got no idea what happened with the intro there, but we're back, I think. Uh, let me know in the chat if all is good. Give us a thumbs up. would love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, don't know what happened there. A little bit of a glitch when uh, rolling the intro. But anyway, we're here and we're live and we're looking ahead to Arsenal's huge, huge Premier League clash with Liverpool, which takes place tomorrow. Super Sunday at Emirates Stadium. And uh, I noticed, or you know it's a big game, uh, when you go to the Emirates um, sort of midweek for a, what feels like a bit of a, I don't, know if I, know, I don't know if I want to call it this, but a kind of dead Europa League game. And uh, and all of a sudden you realise that the uh, the spider camera stuff is still there. Um, you know, the, the, the ropes that they put across uh, for everybody to kind of uh, get that amazing bird's eye view that they tend to provide us with. Um, yeah. Looking forward uh, to the game and, and that kind of got me a little bit hyped for it as well. I know it sounds sad and probably irrelevant to a lot of people, but to me, it's quite a big deal. Um, look, I can see uh, that we are live. As I said, I think there was a little bit of a glitch at the start, a little bit of a problem. So please do um, give me guys, give me a thumbs up, guys, in the chat box if all is coming through loud and clear, because unfortunately, annoyingly, I can't monitor it, um, which is a little bit frustrating. So I just want to make sure that we're all good everybody can hear that everybody can see and we can dive straight into this preview because I feel like we've got a hell of a lot to cover on this one we've got a hell of a lot to get into today but before we do that yep everyone says it's good great um before we do that let's say a few hellos uh, a big hello to uh, sergeant sponge who joins us from malaysia he says he's hiding in the car during a family reunion uh, to watch this I'm truly honoured, mate, but it must be a bad family reunion uh, for you to be hiding out in the car. He says, watching you is much better than just sitting at a table during a family reunion. Thanks for making my day more lively. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Who else have we got in the chat, I should say? Arsenal match reviews. Uh, not happy with the delay in the start time. I, I say this all the time. I'll say it again. We always schedule the stream for a few minutes earlier than we're actually going to kick off because I'm wary that a lot of people don't get the notifications when we go live. And I often get that feedback and I don't know what I can do about it. It's a YouTube thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's why we do it. Um, so yeah, apologies if it's put you out a little bit. Uh, let's say hello to Harvey, uh, to Victor, uh, to Diddley Squat, uh, to Amira, to the Wandering Minstrel, to John Knight, uh, to Henky Ho, to Amira. Uh, to Johan, uh, to the Arsenal granny and Harvey as well. Yep, as Harvey says, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Uh, so smash that like button and make sure you are subscribed to the channel if you are new. Arsenal versus Liverpool, a fixture that hasn't really been um, a happy hunting ground for us of late. We've really struggled against Liverpool in recent times. It feels as though we might have a little bit of an inferiority complex when it comes to them. Why do I say that? Well, if you watch the Amazon documentary back, I thought whilst Mikel Arteta came across really well in the most part, and I thought a lot of his methods made sense to me. And even if I thought they were a little bit wacky and a little bit out there, I could kind of understand 
could kind of understand, even if I thought some of those methods were a little bit strange, what he was trying to do, what he was trying to achieve. But the bit that I found weird was the you'll never walk alone playing through the speakers on the training ground ahead of our trip to Anfield. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, I said it when we reviewed the series. I felt like what, what he did there was make a bigger deal of the Anfield factor than he needed to. You know, I've been to Anfield. I think that if you go to Anfield and you play well and you start well, that famous atmosphere that they talk about, it's not as daunting and it's not as clear to see as you might think. Pre-game, you'll never walk alone. It's great. Not going to deny that. But in-game, if you go there and you play well and you start well and you weather that early storm, it's not that difficult to kind of calm that crowd down and it's not that difficult to then start sort of feeling your way into the game. So when I watched the Amazon doc, the thing I said about Arteta's decision to do that was that, in my opinion, he had created a bigger deal of something that didn't really need to be that big an issue. I felt like he'd planted that seed in players' minds that meant that when they did go to Anfield and maybe the volume did go up a little bit, that they would see it as a problem when actually... I think the focus should have been on, on probably trying to block that out as opposed to sort of, I know look, people say be prepared or prepare to fail. I know people say that. And yes, you should be prepared and you should be meticulous in the way you build up to these things and in the way you uh, set your stall out. But I do think that we made, as I say, too much of that and it caused us a problem when we actually went there. But anyway, look, um, it is what it is. That's, that's water under the bridge. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is that there is a worry in my mind that we've got this mental block against Liverpool. I think we're going to learn a lot about the maturity of this side, not necessarily based solely on the outcome, on the result. Look, the result, if we can get it, would be great. And obviously you want that, OK? There's no question about that. There's no denying that. But what I think is is really important is that we go out there and we play our game and we take it to them and we pressure them and we go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. And we do our utmost to kind of make that point that we're not scared of you. We are the Arsenal. We're top of the league at the moment. You're the ones who have had a difficult start to the Premier League season, not us. And we're going to go out there and we're going to play like that. That's really, really important to me. The result, you know, obviously I want the win, obviously. Um, I said to you guys earlier in the week that I'd be content with the draw just because we beat Spurs. And I said going into those two games that I wanted at least four points from that which I think is is a fair return to, to ask for, given that both games are at home. So, yeah, the result is important, obviously. And if we did get the result that we want, then it would make a real point to everybody else that's looking from the outside and saying, well, you know, actually, Arsenal are not all that good. Actually, Arsenal are definitely going to fall away. I don't think we're going to win the Premier League title, but I tell you what, we would make a real statement here if we could beat a Liverpool side in form or not because of the chasm and the gap that there's been between these two sides. But interestingly, and this is a stat that maybe will catch people by surprise, if you look over the last year, when obviously Liverpool have been formidable, Manchester City have been formidable, and Arsenal have been nowhere near the Premier League title, nowhere near at the very top of the table. If you actually look back over the course of the last year, that's a year from yesterday, Arsenal have amassed just seven points less in the Premier League than Liverpool. So is the gap in terms of our overall performance and overall level of consistency as big as maybe we make it in our minds? 
I don't think it is. And I think that's something, if I were Mikel Arteta, that I'd be showing to the players. I'd be saying to the players, look, you may have in the past felt like when you come up against Liverpool that it, there was no hope, that there was no chance, that there was no competition in terms of the level between them and yourselves. But actually, when you look in terms of overall consistency over the past year, Arsenal have been much closer to Liverpool than people think. So you don't have any reason to go into the game with that inferiority complex. There's no reason to go in that, into that game without confidence being sky high. As I say, we've had a great start to the season and that needs to play into our psyche. We're going to talk about the tactical side of the game in a little bit. You know, how should we approach this? Because I think a lot of the problems that I predicted or envisaged or was worried about going into Spurs in terms of being caught on the transition, I think a lot of them are relevant here as well. But I also think that Liverpool are much more inclined to play on the front foot. They're much more likely to press us high up the pitch. They're much more likely to try and impose themselves than Spurs did, who came and, let's be honest, were happy for as long as possible just to stay in the game. Small club mentality, you might say. But yeah, I want to get into all of that and we will. We're going to talk about Liverpool's tactical approach. Will they revert back to the 4-3-3 that served them so well over the years or will Jurgen Klopp persist with the Slightly different system that he picked in Europe the other night against Rangers. What when it looked a little bit more like a 4-2-3-1, maybe a 4-2-4 at times when Liverpool were in possession. We'll get into all of that. I'll be giving you details on how you can become a Chronicles of Aguna premium member and get access to our premium content. The next piece of which is coming uh, out on Monday. Uh, there's already four bits of premium content available to our members there, and there'll be another one dropping. Uh, of course, on Monday. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's dive into the stats then leading into this game. How is it looking? Arsenal versus Liverpool. I've said to you already that the recent past doesn't exactly fill me with confidence. And you can see that here. If you look at the last uh, meeting at Emirates Stadium on Wednesday, 14th of March, Arsenal were beaten 2-0 by Jurgen Klopp's side. We were beaten 4-0 at Anfield earlier on in that season. Uh, we lost at the Emirates the season before by three goals to nil. And uh, and in that same season, we were beaten 3-1 at Anfield as well. Uh, the last time we beat them was way back in July 2020. And that was a victory at Emirates Stadium. But I'm pretty sure the title was done then. I'm pretty sure there wasn't an awful lot riding on this game. Now, it's not to discredit Arsenal, but from memory, I don't think this was the big game that, you know, maybe it might look like on paper. Um, and I think that played a part in Arsenal, obviously, uh, getting over the line. It was in lockdown as well, I think, which was weird. It was strange. Um, you know, I don't know how much you can really look into those results. But the, the point is that we've only beaten Liverpool once in the last five league meetings, which isn't good enough uh, for a club of Arsenal's stature and Arsenal's size. If you look at the form guide between the two sides, well, obviously... Arsenal are in a much uh, better vein of form. You only have to look at this uh, to see that. Liverpool have drawn their last two Premier League games. They drew uh, at home to Brighton last weekend, a game that really Brighton uh, should have won. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Brighton's approach because I think there's a lot of things that we could potentially take from that that would stand us in good stead. Remember, that was at Anfield as well. Prior to that, they drew the Merseyside derby 0-0 at Goodison Park. 
I don't really want to sort of knock them too much for that result because I think Frank Lampard's side have been really stubborn and difficult to beat so far this season. Um, prior to that, they picked up a couple of wins at home to Newcastle and at home to Bournemouth. But before that, they'd lost at Old Trafford uh, by two goals to one. If we move it on a little bit and we look at the seasons so far, Arsenal sit pretty at the top of the Premier League going into this weekend, whereas Liverpool sit down in ninth position. They've only won two games so far this season. Arsenal have won seven. If I'd have told you at this point in the season that Arsenal would have won five more Premier League games than Liverpool, you'd have laughed at me. Uh, Arsenal have drawn none. Are we drew a draw? Is it time uh, for us to... uh, I said drew a draw. Are we due a draw? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Liverpool have drawn four games this season, which suggests that they've uh, they're kind of draw specialists this time around. Uh, both of us have lost just the one game. Average goal score per match. Interestingly, despite being, you know, eight point uh, eight positions, I beg your pardon, behind us, Liverpool have actually scored an average of more goals per match, 2.57 in comparison to Arsenal's 2.5. But our defence has been really solid. We've managed three clean sheets and we only average conceding one goal per match. Uh, Liverpool, according to the Premier League website statistics as well, create more chances than us, which suggests that we've been much more efficient, not just at the front end of the pitch, uh, but at the back end of the pitch as well. Uh, our biggest uh, win was that 3-0 victory away at Bournemouth. Our biggest defeat was the 3-1 loss at Manchester United. Liverpool have beaten someone 9-0, remember, at Bournemouth. And that is why their uh, average goal score per match is so high, given their position in the league. But they were beaten uh, as well at Old Trafford. They lost 2-1, however. OK, so those are some of the stats. Those are some of the facts going into this game. So how would I line up against Liverpool? What would be the approach? What's the plan of attack? What should be the plan of attack, in my opinion? So my team, I think, picks itself. I don't think I need to really explain too much um, about this. I think the selection should be Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Tierney, not Zinchenko, who, by the way, didn't train in the early part of this week. Now, we don't know what the situation is with him. As always, Mikel Arteta was very coy and didn't give anything away with regards to uh, who's fit, who's not. Um, But I still would go with Kieran Tierney anyway. Uh, My midfield would be Partey, Odegaard and Xhaka with Martinelli on the left, Saka from the right and Gabriel Jesus down the middle. So why have I gone with Tierney over Zinchenko? Well, I would have gone with Tierney going into the North London derby as well because I was really wary and mindful of Spurs on the counter-attack. But you know what? Credit to Mikel Arteta. He said, screw it. This is the way I want to play. I want to dominate the midfield. I want to be in control. I want to be the team that controls the tempo, the rhythm, everything. I want us to have the ball. I want us to be at the team on the front foot. And so he put Zinchenko in there. And obviously, as he does, Zinchenko was... Um, stepping into midfield, stepping into that inverted position, getting on the ball a lot uh, around about the halfway line and trying to influence the game that way. Lots has been made of Spurs' openings in the first half uh, in that North London derby and that maybe if they got one or two passes right, um, you know, they might have been in and they might have been in a position to, uh, you know, to, to cause us problems. But, I mean... 
if my aunt was a man, she'd be my uncle. Like it's, it, you know, it feels a little bit irrelevant to me, like to listen to, you know, what ifs and, and, and buts and stuff around Tottenham's quality of passing. Ultimately, Arsenal took a calculated gamble and a calculated risk. Mikel Arteta would have been well aware of Spurs' counter-attacking threat. He would have been well aware of the holes and spaces that his team were probably going to leave. And he'd have been well aware of the fact that Saliba and Gabriel at times were going to have to go out wide and confront Spurs attackers. But he took that gamble on the basis that he felt that the greater advantage was to be gained if Arsenal had all of the ball and if Arsenal were the ones in control and in possession. Now, I think that was an easier decision to make against the Spurs side that you know are going to sit back and protect their penalty area. I was talking to Julian Laurence yesterday on the 90 Min uh, football show and, and he was saying that at the game against Spurs, he was sitting sort of right in line with Antonio Conte's back five in that first half. And... Um, and what he saw was a, a really well-organised unit, but a unit that didn't really show any ambition in terms of stepping up the pitch, getting out um, and trying to squeeze Arsenal back the other way or push Arsenal back the other way. They were quite happy and content to play in that area. But against Liverpool, I think this is a tougher call. And, and what I mean by that is, the, obviously, the left-back situation. You know, if you go with Kieran Tierney, I think defensively, he's better. OK, I, I don't think... Some people would disagree. I don't think there's any question that in a one-on-one -on -one defensive situation, you would rather have Kieran Tierney than Alexander Zinchenko. But can Kieran Tierney join the midfield as effectively as Zinchenko? Can he help dominate possession in the way that Zinchenko can? No, he can't. I think he's got better at playing the inverted fullback role. I think we, the more we see him do it, the more familiar he becomes with it, and the more you can understand uh, sort of the benefit of it, of it for him as well. But defensively, I think you you do lose something. You do take a bit of a risk. You do take a bit of a gamble. And I think that that gamble, obviously, against Spurs, the decision to play Zinchenko, it worked on that day. It worked on that occasion. But I'm not sure you get away with that every time. And I look at Mo Salah and I see someone very, very different to what we came up against against Spurs. Now, they've got Son, they've got Richarlison, but such was the demand on Richarlison to get back and defend at every given opportunity. He very rarely found himself on that right flank being able to isolate one player. Now, it happened a couple of times. It happened a couple of times where he got in behind on that right-hand side. It happened a couple of times where Spurs, as I say, could have opened us if they played the right pass. But it wasn't a frequent occurrence. Now, at the time, at the game, I was panicking about it. I was like, oh, my God, why are we leaving their right side so open? We're completely exposed. But when I came back and watched the game back with a calm head, actually, I didn't think that they were anywhere near as effective as at exploiting that as they seemed at the time. And that was largely because Richarlison spent most of his time back defending back protecting Emerson Royale from the threat of Martinelli, the threat of Zinchenko in the half space, the threat of Granit Xhaka in the half space too. And, and so, you know, he was limited. Liverpool won't play that way. Liverpool will come to Emirates Stadium and want to play us. They will not do a Spurs. This is not Antonio Conte. This is Jurgen Klopp. They will look to apply their own press. They will look to squeeze us up themselves. They're happy to play with a high line. Why? Because they've got, defenders over the years who have shown themselves capable of playing that way 
And one of the way they one of the ways they've suffocated teams and one of the ways they've overwhelmed people is by doing exactly that. So the only way Liverpool sit back is if we pin them back. They won't do it out of choice. And that is what we had against Spurs. We came up against a team that out of choice were happy to sit back. And so it was a totally different problem to contend with. Liverpool will look to squeeze us exactly the way we're going to look to squeeze them. Now, whoever does it more effectively is going to win that particular battle and maybe comes out on top in the game. But I just think that given Mo Salah is probably going to play like a forward, not a winger, He's like a striker that plays from the right-hand side. I think that Kieran Tierney is the better option. And then you've got to trust in Xhaka, Odegaard and Partey to dominate that midfield and to win that midfield battle themselves. Win your individual duels, win your individual battles. And it doesn't matter if we've got a spare man or not. You know, that's, that's the way I see it. You've also got to think about what Liverpool have got on the other side. You know, Ben White is going to have to play slightly differently as well. Because... Luis Diaz is a, a real threat, a real danger. We know how much he likes to cut inside. Will it be Tsimikas or will it be Robertson on the left? I don't know, but whoever it is, they want to overlap. And we know that Trent Alexander-Arnold is a big threat down the right-hand side. He's been absolutely slaughtered in the British media over the last few weeks for some of his defensive lapses. But going forward, he's as good as anyone in the division. And you cannot afford to let him pick up balls in dangerous areas. You cannot afford to leave him to have time on the ball. And so Martinelli's going to have to do some defending as well. It's going to be really, really fascinating. There are so many individual battles that will ultimately, um, I think, have a big part on the outcome of this game. I don't think it's as simple as the two managers and what approaches they have, because I think there are a lot of similarities in the way that they want to approach the game. And so it's who does their bit better more than one system being victorious over another. I really do think that. Um, so, yeah, going to be going to be really, really interesting. But you've got to stop their fullbacks. You've got to stop uh, the likes of Salah and the likes of Luis Diaz coming in from the wide areas. And if Darwin Nunez starts up front, then we've got a different type of Liverpool striker to deal with. We've got a Liverpool striker with a real big physical presence, someone who's powerful in the air, somebody who also has the pace to run in behind as well. And so, you know, you have to be really aware of this team. You have to be on your game. Will they play Firmino? Will they find a way of getting Firmino back into the team? Maybe. He's notoriously been very, very good against Arsenal, as has Jota, constantly scores against us. Will he play? Don't know. And that comes on to that next question about Liverpool and the way that they're likely to set up. They have been playing a 4-3-3 for as long as I can remember on the Jurgen Klopp, but... We saw midweek a slight tweak in that system. Did he do it against Rangers because he felt that he could get away with it and it was a way of breeding confidence into the side? It was a way of making the roles of some of those players a little bit more comfortable? Maybe, you know, having that double midfield pivot meant that Trent could probably get forward down the right-hand side uh, without worrying as much about what he was leaving behind. Maybe Nunez having that support from Jota, who was just in behind him, did that help? Probably. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I look at that and whilst I thought it worked against Rangers, I think if he was to come and play that way, basically with four forwards at Emirates Stadium, I think that would be really brave and really maybe naive at the same time, uh, from Jurgen Klopp. I expect them to go back to a 4-3-3, but then who comes into the team? Who misses out? Does Fabinho come back into the side? He's traditionally been very, very good against Arsenal. 
I remember coming away from one of our recent encounters and saying this guy might be the best DM in the world. But his season so far has not been very good. Um, is this the opportunity for him to kickstart his season? I don't know. There are so many fascinating duels, so many important battles, and it's a really, really difficult game to call. But I think, you know, having said all of that and, and having sort of highlighted the areas I think we need to be wary of and the areas we need to be concerned about, I still think that Mikel Arteta is very much going to be of the mindset of this is my game, this is my home ground, we're the ones that are top of the league. We're the ones um, that are at the top of our game. I don't give a shit what you're going to do. We're going to go and impose ourselves. And if we do what we do well and we do it well enough, then you shouldn't have a sniff. I genuinely think that that's how Mikel's going to approach this. And actually, you know, there's a part of me that kind of admires that, right? Like, I love attacking football. I'm a massive critic of some of these dinosaur managers who you know, really negative from the outset. But I think now's a time for Mikel Arteta to show a little bit of maturity as well in that you're not going to win every single game, okay? If you want to compete with the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool, you need to get results against them. You need to show them when you come face-to-face -face that you're serious and you don't need people to be going, oh, look at Arsenal, you know, another big test and, and they messed it up. You know, this this team are going nowhere. You don't want that, right? You don't want that. Now, obviously, when you talk about a game where there's two teams jam-packed with quality, these games can be decided by fine margins. And so if you lose 1-0, it doesn't mean that all the work you've done so far has been bad or poor or useless or, or there's been no progress. As I say, these games can be decided by the finest of margins. But what you need to uh, do is is... Make sure you give a good account of yourself. Make sure the commitment levels are there and make sure uh, you, you make a right go of it. And I think Arsenal can make a right go of it this time. Am I confident we'll win? No, um, I'm not. You know, I think a draw is probably the most likely outcome. I think this is a game that neither manager quietly will want to lose. Uh, and what I mean by that is obviously no manager wants to lose. But what I mean by that is I think that the need to not lose slightly um, outweighs the want of a win, especially, I think, in Liverpool's case where, you know, if, if they lose, you know, I mean, I think their title hopes are done anyway. I think that City are going to be way too strong, but they'll be definitely done if they get beaten here. Um, I think serious questions will start to be asked of their transfer policy if, uh, if they get overrun in midfield in particular and get beaten. I think Jurgen Klopp, could do without the pressure and I think he'll come here and while he'll want to impose himself and play his game I think there will be this kind of nagging voice in the back of his mind telling him you know better off not losing this than risking trying to win it and getting done with a sucker punch that's that's how I see it I think that this is so tight um and I think that if you asked both managers now quietly um you know behind the scenes they'd probably tell you that I'd be not happy with the point but maybe content with a point and you know I, I always fear with Mikel Arteta that he gets caught up in the emotion like he makes changes based on emotion he makes tactical tweaks based on emotion and sometimes out of desperation to win the game and maybe silence the people that have been super critical of him since he took charge of the club I don't know where it is uh, where it stems from what it is but I think there is a time 
And, and maybe tomorrow is that time where Mikel Arteta just needs to show a bit of maturity and just needs to rein it in a little bit in order for us to get a result that benefits us in the long run. I thought when we conceded the equaliser against Spurs last week, um, we were a little bit naive in, sorry, in the lead up to conceding that equaliser. Having taken the lead, I thought we were a little bit naive in the fact that we didn't just drop off a few yards and we didn't just, um, you know, we didn't just sort of weather the storm for a little bit, make sure that we got in at half time. Instead, we we continued to play the way we were playing. We continued to take the game to Spurs and I thought we left holes that maybe we, sh we shouldn't have left in behind us. But anyway, um, that's a that's another story. But yeah, um, spoken loads about the tactical side of it, loads about some of the individual duels and individual battles. Um, I'm going to come over to the comments uh, for some questions and some thoughts on the game in just a couple of minutes. So if you've got questions, uh, start popping them in, put a little cue at the beginning, and I'll make sure I get to as many of those as possible. But in the meantime, uh, I just want to bring you guys up to speed uh, with what's happening on our members platform. Yes, uh, you can find us over on anotherslice.com forward slash the Chronicle, well, not the Chronicles, just Chronicles of Aguna. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast and get access to our premium content now, as well as getting access to that premium content and supporting me to bring you more of it. You'll be supporting the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, who will be making a donation to every month from the members pot. Um, there are four bits of premium content available to you right now, and there'll be another one dropping early next week. We, uh, Myself and Mike Stavrou sat down to give our early season awards. Uh, Jamal Fifield, uh, Boreham Woods central defender, joined me to talk Arsenal because he's a big Arsenal fan, but also uh, about the life of a footballer in the lower leagues and how different it is and, and some of the challenges they face that maybe go under the radar. We talked about falling in love with Arsenal and the birth of the podcast, myself and Mike Stavrou. And last week's piece, uh, or this week's piece, was the importance of Thomas Partey and patience. Now, Jamal is joining me again this week on Tuesday. So we'll record the members piece of content there, but we'll also put one out uh, for uh, the wider audience as well. If you subscribe for £6, you get access to all of this. Uh, and uh, of course, a chunk of your, uh, of your subscribers cost on a monthly basis, as I say, goes to the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. I figured this um, would be a good way of, of making that donation and contributing on behalf of the podcast. We've got a big platform now, right? Um, you know, on audio, we've got loads of you subscribed. We've got loads of you subscribed here on YouTube. And I want to do something to give back. And, and as I've said to you guys before, that is a charity that's very close to my heart because of the way they looked after my daughter when she was first born. And um, and if we, we're going to make more content in order to facilitate that, then let's do it. Um, let's do it. Uh, also, um, the first 100 of you that sign up will uh, go into two prize draws as well. You'll be getting an email in the coming days uh, if you've signed up, giving you details and information on that as well. Um, the link is in the description below. What you need to do is go over to anotherslice.com uh, forward slash Chronicles of Aguna. If you go to the top of the page, create account on the website, not the app, create account on the website, subscribe via the website, and then download the app. There's a new version of the app, uh, which has just come out, which has fixed a couple of little bugs that there were initially. Um, and you'll be able to uh, log in from the app with your credentials that you've just created 
and then be in and have all that content at your fingertips. There's some really cool new features coming on the Another Slice app in the coming days as well. I've uh, been speaking to the creators recently, so more to come and uh, more for you guys uh, to benefit from. Okay, uh, we're going to take a very, 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 very short pause, uh, and then we are going to be back and taking your questions, and I'll be sharing my prediction towards the end of the show. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Okay, let's take some of those questions. Let's take some of your thoughts from the live chat. Uh, let's take this from uh, Matt, who says, Harry, who do you think will be our most important player tomorrow? Partey, so we can control the midfield, or Jesus for taking his chances? Oh, you've put me on the spot there, Matt, because I think... It's going to be incredibly difficult to win this game. I think that um, Liverpool are going to give it a give it a right good go. I think they've got a point to prove, um, and and I don't really like that <laughs> like that fact that they'll be motivated obviously by some of the negative press they've had so far this season. I think both of them are going to be huge. Partey because of um, you know that control that he brings us in the midfield, the ability to break lines and uh, the stability that he brings from a defensive standpoint. I think he's key. Um, as you've just seen there, one of the members' pieces of content is the importance of Thomas Partey because I think he's huge. Um, I think he's he's the most important player. He's the most irreplaceable player in that starting eleven as well. I genuinely think that. Um, Gabriel Jesus, I think, obviously has a big part to play. Look, if the chances come his way, he's got to take them. One of the criticisms that he's had throughout his career is that he's not always been as clinical as maybe he needs to be. Um, and I think at times we, we've seen him spurn chances for Arsenal as well. But what I would say is he gives you so much in terms of work rate, in terms of the way he can interchange positions with those in and around him, um, and in terms of the way he really leads the press and sets the tone, that you can almost forgive that a little bit. Um, I, look, if you told me that one of them was going to be out, so if you told me that we had to be without one of them, this is really, really tough but I think I'd rather be without Jesus than Partey just, just because, not because I think Eddie Nketiah is anywhere near Gabriel Jesus, by the way, but I feel like the midfield is so, so important. I think Eddie Nketiah can press. I don't think he's got the quality on the ball that Jesus does, but he can press. And then therefore your system and your approach doesn't change all that much. I just think when we haven't got Partey in the midfield, there's a reluctance to play through that deep lying midfield player. And, that then changes our game 
it forces us to go a little bit more direct, a little bit longer, go out to the flanks a little bit earlier. And I don't always think that works for us. So, yeah, um, really tough. But based on what I've just said, I think Partey just is uh, is the most important player. Uh, Sergeant Sponge says, uh, who do you think we have to watch out for most from Liverpool? Uh, there's so many players. Um, Luis Diaz has, has always impressed me when I've watched him. Obviously, the the obvious one is Mo Salah on the other side. Um, you know, if Nunez plays, you've got to watch out for him. You've got to watch out for Jota, whether Firmino plays. He's always a problem for us as well. Um, Thiago Alcantara, if he plays in the midfield, likes to get on the ball, likes to dictate things. And we have to stop him doing that. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, when he gets forward, is incredibly effective. The same with Robertson or Tsimikas on the other side. Um, that this look, Liverpool's team is, is stacked with quality. That's why it's so mystifying to see them in the position they're in today. But yeah, um, I think we've got to worry about a lot. I know I've sat on the fence there, but I guess the obvious one is, is Mo Salah, right? Um, yeah. Uh, Sasha Brady says, do you think there's a particular player Klopp will try and stop with his tactics or will he just trust in Liverpool's game overwhelming us? It's a really interesting question. Um, I think that because confidence isn't, exactly sky high in the Liverpool camp that he probably has to think a little bit more about nullifying us than he would have done maybe if this game was played a year ago. Um, I think, you know, he always talks glowingly about Martinelli. I think he's aware of the threat that he poses. The same with Saka uh, on the other side. He's been full of praise for Martin Erdegaard as well. So that's another one. I think that there are so many players in this Arsenal side now. Gabriel Jesus, you know, Partey dictating the game. There's so many good players in this Arsenal side right now that you almost can't afford to spend time trying to nullify one. I mean, you look at Spurs last week, right? I thought they did a really good job on Martin Odegaard. But then Granit Xhaka will get forward in the half space on the other side and cause them problems and then popped up with the goal that ultimately decided the game. So, yeah, I think it's I, I think when you come up against a team stacked with quality, I think you can't really look at one individual, two individuals and say we need to nullify them because what happens is you then take your eye off the ball when it comes to others and, and teams of Arsenal's quality right now are able to pick you off and are able to hurt you through other players. Uh, John Knight says, why do you think Liverpool have dropped in form this season? And do you think we can take advantage? I think part of the reason they've dropped off is, is injuries. I think, you know, you can't deny that they've had their fair share of problems. I think midfield is the area in which they've struggled most. Um, that's down to a combination of things though. I think that they've, got a bit of an aging midfield uh, you know I know Henderson and Milner have had to play maybe a bit more than Jurgen Klopp would have liked as a consequence of those injuries people like Naby Keita just can't be trusted to stay fit Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain can't be trusted to stay fit and what Liverpool have is a squad stacked of midfielders who are just totally untrustworthy you know Thiago Alcantara as great as he is and he is fantastic can't always be relied on to stay fit either and I think Jurgen Klopp's really suffered from that what I would say though and, and where the manager, in my opinion, has to take some responsibility is that a lot of those players I've mentioned to you have struggled with injuries for a while. So did you need to go and drop £80 million on a striker when you probably could have dropped £50, £60 million on a striker, but also got yourself a midfielder who's robust, reliable, and who can freshen things up in that department? Harvey Elliott is great. I think he's been a real breath of fresh air uh, for Liverpool fans, but is he at the point in his career where he can do it consistently? I'm not sure yet. So, um, yeah, uh, I think there's a number of reasons. Um, I think they'll get back to 
something closer to their best. I think that they probably still finish second if they can put a bit of a run together. I I, I don't look at them and think they're, they're completely done. Um, but maybe they're on the decline ever so slightly. Football is cyclical, isn't it, in a lot of ways? So I don't know. Uh, okay. Um, Popeye says that this one is brutal for us uh, in Sydney. 2.30 on a Monday morning. Hurt Locker incoming. Is that the game? Is it 2.30 on a Monday morning? For you guys over there. Oh, my word. That is horrendous. That is horrendous. Because it means it won't be done till half four. And 2.30 is like probably too early to get a decent night's sleep and then get up for. Like if the game was starting at 4.30 and you went better, I don't know, 10 o'clock, you could probably live with that. Um, and then just get on with your day. But yeah, it's, it's an annoying time. Really annoying time. Um, but that's what I always say. People are entitled um, to the same level of respect wherever they watch Arsenal from, whether you're at the games or not, because there are people on the other side of the world staying up till all hours um to watch the arsenal and that that is tough my friend so uh fair play to you guys uh sergeant spun says uh, how many signings do you think we're competing uh sorry how many signings do you think we are from competing for the title i think title talk is premature um i still think we probably need another two three players to be able to give it a good go and of a very high caliber obviously um, I'm encouraged by the business we've done. I'm encouraged by what Fabio Vieira has shown us, the fact that Tomiyasu and, you know, isn't in the side but can offer us something at the moment. Zinchenko uh, is a good squad option, but he's had his injury problems this season, which I didn't really foresee, by the way. It's been a little bit disappointing. Um, I still think we could do with another striker. I still think we could do with another winger and, and another central midfield option. They would be my priority areas uh, as well. Um Let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Popeye says, yeah, correct. Um, 2.30. Oh, awful time. Awful time. As this wandering minstrel says, uh, respect to the Aussie Gooners. My hat off to you guys. Uh, Miklos says, uh, do you think we should have Tommy Asu instead of White on the right side when Darwin Nunez will play? Uh, no, I think that Darwin Nunez, if he plays, will play through the middle, and that will primarily be the responsibility of a centre of our centre backs. And I think that both of them are equal to that task from a physical standpoint. I just think look, Ben White is still not convinced. A lot of people is is the, the the kind of narrative, or is the kind of conclusion I've come to over the last sort of few weeks, just reading some of the comments about him. And this is not based on you, uh, Miklos, but. I think Ben White has been one of our best players. Like genuinely, he's been so good at right back. He hasn't put a foot wrong. It's been superb. And in the last few weeks, especially, he's added a lot more to his game going forward. I just don't see any reason to drop him. And the fact that Tommy Asu played the whole game the other night suggests to me that there's no plan in place um, for uh, for Tommy Asu to come in and replace Ben White. So I expect Ben White continues at right back. And I think that's the right decision based on what we've seen of him um, so far. He's, he's been fantastic. Really, really has. Okay. I promised you guys uh, that I would uh, share a prediction. And so I'm going to do so. Um, I've said to you that I don't think Arsenal win this game. Or no, 
let me rephrase that. I've said to you that I'm not confident Arsenal win this game. I don't think you can be confident against a side of Liverpool's quality. I think it's one that you should always be wary of. And, and you know, we know that if we're, um, you know, if we're right at the top of our game, then, then we've got a chance of winning it. You can't afford mistakes against a side of Liverpool's quality, regardless of their form. That can go out of the window in games like this. So, my prediction is a 1-1 draw. I've been saying 2-1 to the Arsenal everywhere else because I've been feeling really, really confident. But I, I kind of tend to do this to myself before games. And maybe I do it on purpose. Maybe I try to lower the level of expectation in order to subsequently lower the level of disappointment if we don't get what I want from the game. But the more I think about it, the more I sort of break it down, the more I look at the quality that they have at their disposal, the history of the fixture, the, the complex that Arsenal seem to have when it comes to Liverpool in recent years. Um, I think a 1-1 draw is, is probably the most likely outcome. I think a draw is the most likely outcome. What I will say, though, is if Arsenal can get over the line, I think that does a great deal in terms of getting rid of that inferiority complex, in terms of, you know, starting afresh, in terms of making that statement. I think all of that is so, so important. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. So, uh, yeah, that's my prediction. A draw between these two sides at Emirates Stadium. I do expect a highly entertaining game, though, between two sides who will no doubt want to take the game to one another. Uh, guys, if you could please leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Let's try and get up to 100 likes. That would be amazing. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, what are you doing? Arsenal fan or not? Uh, we chat a lot of Arsenal, mainly Arsenal, but we do from time to time touch on other subjects as well. And we'll certainly be doing more of that over the course of what remains of this season. I'm really looking forward to it. We'll be bringing you World Cup stuff as well. Uh, I'll be bringing you some sort of daily content around the World Cup, which I haven't really been looking forward to because of when it is. But I think once it starts, we'll all be fine. You know, we'll all be up for it. Uh, so, yeah, there'll be World Cup content to come as well. Uh, so whether you're Arsenal, whether you're not Arsenal, because I can see there's a lot of non-Arsenal fans in the chat today, please do uh, subscribe to the channel. It really, really helps me. Uh, really, really helps the channel go, uh, grow. I beg your pardon. And of course, if you're listening on audio, then please do uh, leave us a review as well. Uh, if you want to sign up and become a Chronicles of Aguna member uh, for access to our exclusive content as well as to support the podcast, but also, and more importantly, uh, the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, you can do so following the instructions in the description below. Uh, I'll be back very, very soon with more uh, I'm uh, I'm at the game tomorrow for BBC Radio London, uh, so I'll try and bring you guys some instant reaction content from the press box, maybe down the side of the pitch, something like that, uh, something a little bit out of the ordinary, something cool if I can. Um, and yeah, really, really uh, looking forward to that. So I'll uh, I'll speak to you guys all tomorrow, a uh, bit of instant reaction, but I'll also bring you as well, a full podcast tomorrow evening when I get back from Emirates Stadium uh, so that our audio listeners have it nice and fresh in their uh, in their notifications in the morning when they get up on Monday to go to work, hopefully with a smile on their faces. Catch you all soon. Until next time, take care. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.